Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sharing Socks, the middle of the league championship series without any White Sox involved uh, edition, I guess, of it. I'm uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen with me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And behind him, uh, for those of you just on audio, a Sox fan with a bag over his head. I didn't know that was a Sox fan thing. Uh, I don't know that it officially is, but it certainly feels like it should be. Uh, it, it feels right. Now, this was the, uh, this was the best socks person in a Halloween costume, uh, pick I could find. And I'm sure it's not for Halloween. It's probably a day game in June from a few years ago, um, which we all had bags over our heads at that point. Uh, but yeah, this is just my general feeling of, uh, being a Sox fan at this exact moment. Well, the other Sox are in trouble, too. We're recording this on Thursday, at which point the Red Sox are down 3-2 to two to the Astros and heading back uh, to Houston on Friday. The Braves are being uh, amazing and uh, up 3-1 on the Dodgers, who are having a bullpen game tonight. So anything can happen there. Um, you know, it's interesting you look at the Braves. I, I thought of them in conjunction with the White Sox because we have whined justifiably, all summer about horrible injuries to our outfield. We got nothing on them. (laughs) They they got Osuna, Acuna, and uh, Soler out for this. Three entirely different reasons for it. But they're missing their whole outfield. And yet they're beating the Dodgers. You're not wrong. I mean, it is really impressive. 
does it make me give a crap about the Braves in the playoffs? No. However, what it does do is, is you know, they're, they're about to knock out a 106 win team with, without a, you know, starting major league outfield, really, you know, they've got Jock Peterson out there, but if the White Sox had gotten him, Jock wouldn't have been an everyday starter. And uh, it's, it's amazing. What they're of doing. course, because the other guys are out, Eddie Rosario, my favorite in the spring for the White Sox to get for right field, uh, and who actually signed for less than Adam Eaton did when he went to Cleveland originally for the season, has got eight hits, including three homers. <laughs> what he should have done last night, he was going to do a third time in history hit for the cycle in the postseason. He should have stopped at second base on his second home or refused to go on. <laughs> I know. He, he blew that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I you know how much I don't like uh, admitting you're right on this podcast. And I just have to say, you were on the Eddie Rosario train nice and early before this season even started. So uh, between that and the backup Speaking of catcher issues. That, that uh, I was on real, real, real early. I, I happened to look up some things because one of the things everybody says about the White Sox is the fielding has to improve. And it does. Uh, they're minus 43. I was on, on the baseball reference side, uh, minus 43 on defensive runs safe. But then I started looking by position and it got interesting because Jose went from horrible first baseman to Golden Glover last year to pretty horrible first baseman again this year. He's, he's a minus nine. Um, Timmy, Yuan, doing great. Second base, kind of a wash. Luis, of course, terrific. Corner outfields, as you'd expect, since we're plugging in anybody who wanders out of the stands. Not good. But that was a wash until you got to catcher. And catcher was minus 43 defensive fronts saved. Now, a lot of that is Zach Collins and the little bit I, I can remember we raved, oh, Sebi's a much better defensive catcher than than Zach is. What's great to have him. And I don't think he blocked another pitch from the time. No, Sebi's we So they were, like, they were uh, But the fact is, Yasmani's not a good defensive catcher, even in the category. I mean, he, he doesn't block pitches. Uh, we're way up at the top of the list in wild pitches and pass balls. Not at the very top, but pretty damn close. He doesn't block pitches. He doesn't throw anybody out any more than Collins does. Now, a lot of that is our pitchers don't either bother to look at first base before they throw a pitch. But the other thing, the thing that was supposed to be great about him, absolutely, where he was top of the line, was framing. And they now do, you know, statistical stuff on framing, not just he looks good. And whoever I went to, they had 40 catchers who caught enough to be eligible to be rated. And he was 23rd. So very mediocre. Now, framing stats, I understand, go back and forth a lot year to year. Although, oddly, the guy we got rid of because he can't frame was Omar Navias, who's been at the top of the charts ever since he left the White Sox. Whilst also hitting 300 or so. I mean, I can't, I can't blame any uh, White Sox people for not staying on the Omar Narvaez uh, <laughs> bandwagon because I, it's shocking to me uh, oh, how, yeah. just, just, how valuable I, he's become uh, as, a, as a catcher. Uh, I'm not surprised at all about our catcher stats. Our catchers suck. They're, they're um, terrible catchers. And, and Grandel just had the one piece of news, I guess, that just – in the last couple of days had knee surgery 
Yeah, um, which so could, maybe could have been a factor, you know, if maybe he's not able to position be better next year. But it brings up a they again very 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 much need a backup catcher, and B it needs to be a selection made for defensive purposes, because then you can first of all Grandal needs more rest. He's 34, 33, 34. Uh, have him out there playing first, which also gives Jose a few days off, whether he wants him or not. He needs him. He's 34. Uh, and Or DHing, that kind of thing, and have more backup catcher games with a guy who is defense first. If he hits, I mean, look at Maldonado for the yep, I was I was just going to say, Worthless look, at, look, at but look what he does. I mean, he's he's uh, he's a game-changing defensive catcher. It's not something you see very often, and it makes a huge difference for this Astros team. And I am not about to applaud anyone else on that team. If you listen to this podcast, you know I hate that team. Uh, but Maldonado, I mean, you can't help but respect what he does behind the plate. When, when you've got a guy who pitchers have runners on third and, and no one out, and they're still throwing sliders in the dirt because they know the guy can catch it, that is game-changing. If you are in a situation where you have a catcher who's so good back there, you can always throw any pitch anywhere, that's a huge, huge advantage. Uh, and, and a base they, runner on any base at any time better be real alert. Real alert, because he will snap it, and he fires that ball. He fires that ball. And you can see it in his eyes. And I mean, Maldonado, what a great sign for, for Houston to come back to him, a guy who's bounced all over the place, it seems. I feel like I've seen Maldonado play for all 30 teams. He probably only played for a few, but he's, he gets bounced off, bounced around quite a bit. And it's just, you know, it, it is cool to see a guy playing at this point of the season who is strictly signed for defensive purposes and, and starting every game. That's not common anymore to, to have a catcher that you're okay with hitting virtually nothing. Uh, but he's so good behind the plate. He saves you so many runs uh, that he's, he's the guy you should have out there. And the White Sox desperately need just one guy who can catch, just one guy who can block pitches, one guy who can throw out runners, I mean, I love Yaz for various offensive reasons at this point, but I and mean, it may be, come on. in fairness, the one thing that we do not have stats on, even with all the gazillion stats that Snapcast does, is pitcher management. And he may be brilliant at pitcher management. We don't know. Uh, I don't know. Cares. They don't seem to make it past four innings. So uh, his pitch, someone's got to be in charge of why the pitchers can't get past four innings. And it maybe it's our catchers. Maybe it's um, our catchers. But yeah, so, so that's, that's the a really, really important thing that most people's list is second base, right field, um, starting pitcher probably. I uh, just was reading a piece, I think was on NBC sports uh, today. I think that's where it was. Um, about all the relievers who could potentially be gone next season. Even if they keep Kimbrell. I, if you heard offers, people coming in going, yeah, we'll take $16 million of Kimbrell off your hand. I think, you know, and I'd see a lot of guys posting here and there. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get Kimbrell and we'll, we'll trade him. Just like, you know, like Nightingale said, you know, 
when Jerry Reinsdorf talks, Nightingale types it. Uh, I don't know who's going to do that trade. The, the Sox swallow 13 million. Yeah, the uh, Kimberl, but Kimberl's but lives are dreaming. Let's trade him for Mike Trout. I think we can fit Trout into our lineup. I know we got a good lineup, but we could get him in there. And if he's not available, maybe Otani. <laughs> so well, I think or we should. I Vlad think we Jr. Trade him. Toronto, we Toronto should, could use a closer. We should trade him straight up for Otani because that's like a two for one. And Kimbrel's worth two great players. Uh, the Kimbrel pipe dream stuff is weird to me. It's so much of Sox Twitter is out there saying, oh, we got to sign Kimbrel so we can trade him for someone good. What? Where, where is this world where major league teams are like, we want the guy who sucks with a bloated contract. I just, I, as you said, we would yeah, have to and that, eat all of it, or I mean, we would at least have to eat, you know, twelve million probably, which tells you that you should just not take the option and give him the one million dollars. But the other option is we trade him for another star who's underperforming, who's getting paid even more money. A year. But 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 what you what the recommendations are from those kind of people who are I'm not on Twitter but I you know see it secondhand kind of stuff is it, it, oh, it's an exchange of bad contracts. Well, an exchange of bad contracts happens when both teams are stuck with a contract they don't want. And so we got a bad contract outfielder. You got a bad contract picture. What the hell? Change of this change of area might help. And you switch. Socks aren't stuck with a bad contract. <laughs> They're not stuck at all. No, we do not have to have Craig Kimbrell by any means. It costs us one million bucks to get rid of him. And I tell you, if I had a million bucks right now that I could spare, I'd send it that way. And I would be like, here you go, Jerry. I made up your mind for you. Yeah. And I have a problem. I've always, and I think probably brought it up even on here, but I know when you and I converse with guys who can only pitch if they start the ninth inning with a one, two, three run lead on the day of the weather is between 68 and 76 degrees. And the wind is from right center at eight to 12 miles an hour. I mean, what the hell? You better be perfect. If those are your rules, you better be perfect. And it's not just that Kimball was bad for the Sox. I mean, he was incredible for the Cubs. Yes, but not in 2020 and not in 2019. He hasn't had a full season since 2018. He was terrific, historically terrific, but pitchers get old. Yeah, I, I'm not well, even ha- hating on Justin Kimbrough. Verlander doesn't get old, but other pitchers get old. Yeah, but I, I'm not even hating on Kimbrel when I, I talk about this. It's it's unrealistic for us to expect Kimbrel to still be great. I mean, he is you, – you cannot argue the fact that Craig Kimbrel was an absolutely elite closer – and relief pitcher for a long time. He has had an amazing oh, career. Amazing career. That just might be over. And it, it's not Fred's fault that he's getting older. And he maybe was good for the Cubs early in the season and then just completely didn't have it because he ran out of gas and his, his older body was, was starting to give him some trouble. But that doesn't mean we got to keep believing that it will turn around for $16 million. 
I mean, I would, if, if if I was Craig, I would be sitting at home expecting my million dollar buyout, and then just seeing if anyone else will pick me up for anything. And, and my Which my agent will. should be busy contacting other teams. Yeah, the Marlins will pick up Craig Kimbrell for four million dollars next year, or something like that. You know, it's but it's it's so strange this this mentality that we're going to get anything for him, as if every GM in baseball didn't watch any baseball this year. It, it makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, if, if if that's the case, then we're going to give him his 16 mil and then try to trade him. I mean, I, I think we could either end up seeing Craig Kimbrell in a White Sox uniform again next year, or we're going to pay 14 million to send him somewhere else. And then we're going to pick up a bloated contract in return. So we're going to end up spending $30 million. million dollars can get a right fielder and a second baseman or go a long way toward it. So absolutely. <laughs> there is that. Absolutely. Well, let's take our, let's take our break here and then let's come back and kind of talk about the right fielder and second baseman scenario and what we, uh, what, what your ideal one, people. One other be. quick pitching thing when we come yeah. back before we go to that. All right. Sounds good. So we will be right back on sharing socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We've kind of been uh, dissecting the Craig Kimbrell situation, which is baffling for so many strange reasons right now. Uh, you said you had one more thing to talk about pitching before well, we move the, on. The first thing that's really going to happen here in the offseason, unless they do an extension out of nowhere that, that we don't know about with anybody or everybody, is that uh, right at the end of the World Series, they will do qualifying offers. And the one qualifying offer expected from the White Sox is Carlos Rodon. Uh, the, all the experts I read say, and he's going to refuse it <laughs> uh, because he should. Uh, he's well, I, I disagree, but yeah, I, I don't think he should. I think if the season ended in July, absolutely. But the season didn't end in July. And what we saw from the end at Carlos Rodon is that Carlos Rodon should be taking the offer from the team that let him play Major League Baseball still. I mean, the, the White Sox have been very good to Rodon. It's very uncommon to take keep taking a risk on somebody who's hurt all the time. Except I, they kind of shafted him by by not tendering and then coming back at a, at a real low ball price after that. But also, I mean, he could have gone one game again. You know, it's it's... I, I actually think the White Sox have been pretty good to Rodon. A lot of people are saying, let's give him this big extension this year. I'm not there yet on Rodon. I, I, 
I hope so. I think he's a great player. I think he's great for the team. He seems like a really good guy. Uh, but I just don't know that that arm is actually going to hold up. And that is what well, I, was... I think. Him, I think him tiring out at the end of the year was a function of 2020 and, and not having pitched in 2020 or 2019. Of course, of course it is. But next year is not going back to 60 games. You know, next year is going to be 162 games. And will he still well, be tired next, from 2021? Uh, next year might not be 162 well, that's true, games. For, for different reasons. Um, but, but go ahead. Show. Yeah, you're, you're talking okay, about it. Okay, so I think my guess is Scott Burroughs knows right now what the market is and who the market is. And Boros is smarter than the entire White Sox front office put together. So he will have it in hand. And what Rodon does or doesn't do with the qualifying officer will depend on what, what Boros knows. And Boros knows everything. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, my, guess is, my guess is it gets turned down. He won't get a five-year contract or anything like that, but he could get 240. Uh, the one estimate of value I saw on him was $22.5 million per year. Uh, and the qualified offer is 18.4. It's actually down because salaries are down this year. Yeah. Um, I would take the 18.4. I, I just would if I was Rodon. I would take the 18.4 and then, and then see what happens after this season. I mean, somebody might – obviously, somebody might offer him 22. It, it, he could go to the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or whatever for 22. Um, I would take the qualifying offer. I would because if you take the qualifying offer and you come out and show for another season that you've still got it, now you're going to be valued in the in the 30 million a year range. You're going to be valued up there with the elites, the absolute top of the market. And I think if you sign on right now for $20 million a year for three years or so, you could actually end up losing money in the long run. I could be totally wrong about that, of course. Uh, but I think 18.4 is close enough to 22 that you take the, the deal this time, pitch for the White Sox, try to win that World Series with the White Sox, and then test that market. But again, it ain't up to Carlos. <laughs> it's up to Scott. Uh, it, uh, I saw their, their cries for we're going to need starting pitching, at least for Keuchel. Uh, and one article, I, I don't know where it was, really say, here's a pitcher who would be great for the White Sox next year. <laughs> and it was Scherzer. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that no would be kidding. great. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> You know, who else would be great? One I read was, here's one to be really good be Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman has already made it clear he will not play for Tony LaRusa. So yeah. I would suggest what they do is go out and get Stroman and fire LaRusa, and it's a win win. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, since the last time we talked, they have officially announced that LaRusa is coming back. Uh, and I also somebody missed all the blather about that, and I don't know the accuracy of this because originally I think. The speculation, though, they never said was it was a two-year contract. There's speculation now, at least speculation, that it's a three-year contract. Really? Wow. Well, that is very disappointing. <laughs> I didn't see it in I didn't see it in multiple places, but okay. there was at least some speculation. It was a reasonable, you know, a reasonable writer uh, put it out there that it was uh, been revealed that under by somebody. 
you know, backdoorish that it was. So many people, so many people on Twitter are saying, well, Tim Anderson came out and said Tony was great. And that we, and I'm like, guys, would you go out there and crap all over your boss before he's fired? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you go out and publicly say, LaRusa sucked. He cost us so much in this. And then go to work the next year for LaRusa. Come on, everybody. No, any more than anybody else does. You may hate your boss. And you may, when, when you're home or amongst your friends, badmouth your boss, but you don't go screaming in the streets. My boss is a blah, 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 because no, you do not. That's not good for you. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, we mentioned second base and outfield. Those are kind of the main uh, corner outfield. Those are kind of the main other positions people are talking a lot about uh, us needing, and rightfully so. They're not wrong about this one. Uh so second base, let's start there. What do you what are you looking for at second base? Well, what every what most everybody that I read wants, and I don't believe it's possible uh, within the kind of constraints that uh, the Sox work under compared to the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and even the Cubs are saying they're coming back in on it, uh, and then the Giants have a big payroll. Uh, is Marcus Simeon, who has history, uh, would fit in really well. Keep Hmm? dreaming. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. I I think it's great. I don't don't think Simeon's coming to the White Sox. There's no Um, way. We got rid of him because he was bad, and everyone cheered that. He's not coming back. (laughs) He's not coming back. We we didn't give Simeon his real shot, really. We ditched him, and then he became really great. He wants to come to Chicago and beat us. He doesn't want to come to Chicago and win for us. Semyon, not going to happen. I agree with you on that. I think that's crazy. Who else you got? Uh, the other names, well, everybody baddies about the big names. Now. You know, Story, Seeger. Uh, I don't really picture either one of those either. Uh, no. So we got we got <laughs> nothing in the minors. There's there's no way to fix this problem internally, whatsoever. So you're going to have to either free agent or trade. And if you trade, you have to figure out whom you're going to trade. And maybe you don't want to trade your second baseman for next year and one of your best relievers for a guy who's on a very big downhill slide and played really crap for you. Uh, Let's get to that. They can pick up an option on Carlos Hernandez uh, for $6 million. Uh, I believe that's a negative. Uh, There's no word that that's likely to happen. Yeah. Romy Gonzalez could improve enough to play next year. Uh, not a real solid uh, improvement, but uh, possibly. I mean, but it, we haven't possible. seen him. You know, he hasn't had time to adjust to the speed of the pros yet, of the majors yet, necessarily. No, he he jumped he jumped minor league levels. So yeah, big so time. it's definitely possible that he's a guy to look for in the future. But for next year, gives me pause. Um, the Trevor Story thing is. Of course, interesting. Uh, I, I would love to have Trevor Story playing second base for us. However, it's not going to happen because he's going to demand an outrageous price. And we're not going to be the team that gives him that amount of money to play second base. And he's not going to play shortstop. You're, we're never going to move T.A. over to second. Uh, we're probably never going to move Moncada over to second. So... You're talking about asking a shortstop to come to Chicago and play second base for less money than he could get to play shortstop elsewhere. It's not going to happen. Corey Seager, of course, 
Great idea. Why not? Again, <laughs> yeah. why would he do it? That's a, I want trout it? for right field. So I mean, let's get yeah. the I mean, this is it's just I, I it would be great. It would be great. But I just can't for the life of me figure out why Corey Seager would take a pay cut to come play for the White Sox because we have to be realistic about who is writing and and signing these contracts. <laughs> and it's not like all of the sudden it's going to be Brian Cashman. No, it's still it's still Han taking the cues from Reinsdorf, who seems to take cues from Larusa, who seems to take cues from a toilet, and it's just not going to it's just not going to happen. I, I don't see a world where Story or Seager are our second baseman to start next year. If they are, then I mean I I will happily come on here and say, oh, I was wrong. They did it. If they are, if one of those guys is our second baseman next year, well, then we're talking about a real seriously good White Sox lineup that uh, does. Oh, there's another one, uh, Charles Correa. Uh, oh, Carlos Correa. Correa. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, if he comes anywhere near the White Sox, I'm going to have a real <laughs> inward reflective moment on whether or not Baez? I can handle this. People are talking about Baez. And I, of course, yeah, let's have Javi Baez come be our second baseman. I'm sure he wants to take way less money to play for the crosstown rivals of the team that, that screwed him over uh, to play a position that he doesn't want to play. That, that sounds completely realistic to me as well. Uh, I mean, I realize that he will play it, you know, because they've got Lindor in New York. But I'm sure Baez in this offseason is looking for an opportunity to play shortstop, not to play second base. And I'm sure Javi Baez wants a lot more money than we are willing to spend. And I hope we are not willing to spend it on Javi Baez. Uh, I don't know what- And ruining I, all our great double play company, we were fifth to last in the majors in double plays uh, this last season, part of our defensive awfulness in addition to Cutoff man, what's a cutoff man? Uh, all those other things with with this team. I hope in spring training they actually train this year. I I don't know what Larusa was supposed to have been doing all spring, uh, which brings yeah. up other questions like who the hell is Jerry Naren and why is he so important? Why is he the guy on the phone to the bullpen when they're making decisions on relievers or on whether to uh, uh, challenge a call? Who I have no idea. He? No, he's just idea. an old buddy. Of, it's, it's just nepotism. He's, he's an old buddy of Tony's who is an old buddy of Jerry's. And we run this like some third-hand garage or something. Uh, anyhow, who would you bet? Who, who would you get? At second base? At second. Yeah. I'd go back in time and keep Nick Madrigal. Uh, I, I have no answer. I, I really don't. I mean – I, I have my, oh, if we could get him picked, and that would probably be Corey Seager, but that's not going to happen. So I, I truly don't know <laughs> who who I would take there um, or, or what our options will even be. I don't know if you option Cesar and hope that he comes back much better than he was because he was as pretty much as bad offensively as you could be once he became a White Sox player. And he wasn't good defensively either. No, he, he would flash the leather every now and then to remind you why he's in the bigs and then give you 400 examples of why he shouldn't be in the bigs. 
So I, I don't have an answer. Uh, as for corner outfield, I don't have an answer. And the reason I don't have an answer is I don't trust this team to spend any money. And I don't think they will. I think we are going to start next season looking a lot like we looked at the start of this season. And I think, yes, we will make some moves. They will probably be very mediocre and not flashy. Whatever new starting pitcher we bring in, I'm sure they're sitting there thinking in those offices right now, who's a number five we can bring in at a, at a reasonable price who can get us through some innings. We're, I mean, right now, technically, we have no pitchers who can throw enough innings uh, to do us any good. You know, we've got nobody who can really average getting past the fifth inning as a starter. Uh, so I'm sure it will be a lackluster signing of some sort. Uh, in terms of second base, be shocked if we spent money to get anyone of any note there because we never really have. And when it comes to corner outfield, I'm sure that those guys are sitting in there going, well, we've got the guys who can do it. We just got to get them to play better. Well, we don't have the guys who can do it. They should be able to do it by now, and they can't. So I, I just have no, no hope whatsoever that this front office is going to make any of the moves that we need them to make. I would love to come out here after the winter meetings and say, boy, did I miss the mark on October 21st when I said we would not spend the money. And now here we are with Max Scherzer, and Marcus Semien and Mike Trout and right and Shohei Otani and left. But I just don't think I'm going to be eating dirt on this one. I really do not. You have faith in Jerry being Jerry. I have full faith in Jerry being Jerry. I, if there's anything I'm sure of in this world, I don't even think the taxes thing is guaranteed anymore now that we've had the Trump era. It seems like you don't even actually have to pay those. Uh, but the the Jerry being Jerry, that and death are the two things where I'm like, we can pretty much guarantee that those those are going to be uh, something we can plan on to keep happening. Uh, I, I have no faith. Uh, we actually on Sharing Socks, uh, I am uh, producing my, my first film in which uh, my executive producer, who you see on the screen above me, uh, will be flying in to... to uh, monitor the the set uh, activity so we are going to take a few weeks off here for sharing socks uh as much as i would like to come on and talk about the world series i don't think i will even be watching it because i cannot stand anyone who is left in this postseason <laughs> and it looks like we're going to have a braves astros world series which this is completely uninteresting to me. Uh, I was kind of hoping for at least a Dodgers Astros World Series so we could at least have some fights every day and some benches clearing and a lot of hit by pitches and Altuve getting punched in the face by Joe Kelly. But we're not even going to get that. We're going to get Freddie Freeman, the nicest guy in the history of sports, going up against the most cocky, arrogant, awful cheating team ever. And that's what baseball is going to be for. I was just texting a buddy of mine, Richard Schiff, from the West Wing, uh, and he was mourning this season with me as well. He's a Yankee fan, so we don't always see eye to eye, but uh, we'll bring him on. We'll, we'll try to bring him on the podcast at some point this offseason. But uh, 
he was he was mourning the 2021 season with me. This is this is just a real real crap show. But uh, uh, before we before we depart for a few weeks, do you have any final thoughts, Geezer? No, I no, I just hope there there is a season that they work out whatever they got to work out on the uh, uh, on the contracts, the union contract. We'll be back before then, but uh, maybe not much before Thanksgiving. And uh, meanwhile, that the Sox don't do anything really, really, really stupid. The Sox, I don't mean the players, they're great. <laughs> I yeah. mean, our, our empty suits. And um, and really, we shouldn't mourn the season. It was it was a good, solid season. Uh, yeah, uh, I, playing I, the minor league. I don't the mean... The division uh, is a minor league. I don't, I don't mean uh, mourning the season for the White Sox necessarily, mourning the overall outcome of what uh-huh. it will likely be for the 2021 season. I had a lot of fun watching the White Sox, and they, they played some really fun baseball. But just mourning the fact that we're going through all this, a lot of really fun things happening around the league this year, and it's looking like we're going to have an Astros Braves World Series, and not even one where we get to see Acuna Jr. Uh, really show off his stuff. So... You know, good luck to the Braves. I hope that they uh, can, if the Astros make it, I hope they can whoop the crap out of the Astros. But there is no justice in the world of baseball if Houston takes home the World Series this year. There is none. The idea of justice and fairness I, is I, I, I don't really think that can happen because of McCullers' uh, situation. I think if they had McCullers, it would be very possible. But I don't think it will happen without him. Yeah, probably not. But uh, thank you all. We will call this the end of this season of Sharing Socks. Uh, We will be back in a few weeks to start uh, the next season, which will be in the run-up to the 2022 baseball season. Start looking at some of these off-season moves. Some things could be in the works. We'll be talking about uh, potential contract disputes and strike scenarios and all that good stuff. So thank you for listening to the 2021 season of sharing socks the the 2021 season and we will uh see you shortly for the 21 22 season right here on sharing socks